Dear children of the light, our meditation this morning is on the words of Paul to the believers in Thessalonica just read. But I repeat verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, guide us in truth. Your word is truth. About 3,600 miles away from where we are right now, there's a trail in the mountains. There may be one or two more trails in the mountains in between here and there, okay? But there's one specific one that has a special place in my heart. It's called Skyline. And at almost four and a half miles out and back, it's one of the trails that people from my neck of the woods like to take our guests to. As you hike this skyline trail, you climb up above the tree line where the weather and the grade of the mountain is so steep and so harsh that trees no longer grow. And from these peaks, you see such wonders of the Alaskan wilderness that I can't even begin to describe them for you now. But like all mountain trails, Skyline has to go back and forth with switchbacks and weavings to make the path even at all possible for people. And sometimes what happens on mountain trails is that you can see the goal of your hike and yet find yourself walking in the opposite direction. Oh, and Skyline actually has three peaks for you to come across. So just when you think you've arrived, <laughs> nope. You've still got a long way to go. And while the prepared hiker might be ready for this challenge, the casual tourist will quickly find themselves discouraged and tired out. And many is the person who's walked to Skyline only to fail to climb up yet. It is hard, it is discouraging, it has roots and rocks that cause people to stumble and give up, even though they've heard about the spectacular view and they've heard about all the struggles to get up there, when they come face to face with them, they fatigue from their lack of preparedness and they lose the excitement that brought them to the trailhead in the first place. And this is like the problem that the believers in Thessalonica were having to whom Paul wrote encouragement. Paul had visited them during his second missionary trip and was only able to stay with them for three weeks because the opposition to the gospel was so severe. But while Paul left, the believers there continued their work of talking about Jesus and building the congregation, and Jesus would come again. And while the congregation remained, so too did the opposition. 
And as the message of Jesus coming soon began to take longer and longer, people started to fatigue. They got tired and they lost focus on the fact that Jesus was coming as the goal of their faith. So Paul wrote encouragement to them. He told them to live as expectant children of the day. That means with excitement and with encouragement. Most of the talk about the second coming of Christ in America has been tainted with millennialism. The concepts of people suddenly floating in the air or disappearing from the cars that they're driving or the airplanes that they're flying has filled books and theater seats for some time now. And these stories almost always bring along some sense of dread or concern about the, the damage that will happen when these people disappear or the wars that will come after or the wars that are going to lead up to this spectacular event. The focus on that day being something terrible and awful and, and scary has gotten people to focus on it so much that they try and make very specific predictions about which day Jesus is going to come back. And given the current climate in the Middle East, many of these conversations are starting again in earnest. But about these conversations, Paul is very clear. We don't need to talk about that. The day of the Lord's return doesn't really have anything to do with the political environment. It doesn't really have anything to do with the wars that are being raged across the globe. We know from the book of Revelation that wars and rumors of wars will be a sign right up to the end. And the fact that we are living in the end times is not a surprise for us. Just like we're living in the end times, well, we're just a little bit closer to Jesus' second coming than they were. Paul doesn't waste time talking about the days and times with the Thessalonians for two reasons. First, he doesn't know them. Jesus said only the Father knows, so it really is a waste of time for him to even try to write or recommend a date and time. And second, because that type of focus is really unbecoming of the message of Jesus which he brought to them. I say it's unbecoming because that type of thought path can be very consuming. The mind, even the, the believer's mind, can start to look at all of these signs and see them as the thing. Well, this happened and this happened and tie it together. Eventually it becomes a distraction. And when inevitably Jesus does not return on that predicted moment, right after this battle or on this date or at that place, it can be discouraging. Like 
climbing a mountain and making the peak only to discover that you've got two more to go. It can be very discouraging. What disappointments happen when you focus on the wrong things? You know, we know that there are struggles and, and hardships in life, and we can get fatigued by them. We really want to have the comfort of knowing that we've arrived. We hear the message of peace and safety, and we want to hear that. We want someone to say, you've arrived and we don't have to struggle anymore. We want rest. But Paul says this is not the time for that. In this short section, Paul uses five different literary techniques of similes and metaphors. He talks about thieves, night and day, pregnancy, armor, awake and asleep. I probably should have picked the gospel to preach on because there was only one. But Paul is using all of these to weave a path through some very complicated waters. He's acknowledging the hardships, the reality of the world. It's tough and scary and tiring. But he's directing the believer to a reality that they, that we, are to live purposefully. If one lives on autopilot, things are just fine. There is peace and safety. I mean, there's, there's food in the fridge and the internet works, so what more do you really need? One can stuff their head in the sand and, and have a life. That type of life doesn't make an issue of living with the return of Jesus as a central point, as a goal. If you leave that fact to the side, one can indulge in the pleasures of the day and ignore the fact that he will come. But not the believer. The believer lives as a person with a purpose, like a pregnant woman. Have you ever lived with a pregnant woman? I have. And I can tell you that it is amazingly frustrating. Suddenly the things that I have been putting in the same spot for years is not where it belongs anymore. A pregnant woman goes through a phase called nesting. And that is a sure sign that the baby is coming soon. The woman is living extremely purposefully to make the home just right for the new baby. And it really is amazing to watch, especially since it's not in my house anymore. Paul uses that image to tell us that when the labor pains come upon the woman, She's kind of surprised, but not really. She has, been getting, she has been living, getting ready for this moment for some time. And while the pains are not fun by any means, it means that the purpose for the pregnancy is at hand. When the Christian is living, we experience struggles. We find hardships in life because they are there. 
but they aren't something that fill us with fear, wars and rumors of wars, political unrest, struggling world systems. Nor do the struggles cause us to give up and seek some sort of fleeting comfort in this world. We know that these tribulations of the world mean that Jesus is coming. We are awake and sober, aware of our surroundings and the meanings of these hardships. Because we aren't bound to this world as being the be-all and end-all of our existence. As children of the day, we have the light of God Almighty shining in our lives and we can see that these struggles call us to cling ever tighter to Him. We aren't surprised by the strife of the world. We aren't consumed by the what does this mean and tying events together for a specific date. No, we are rather consumed by the truth that our great shepherd is one day closer to coming home. So with clarity and sobriety that the spiritually drowsy don't have, we can see the peace and safety of the world around us for what it really is and ignore it. As expectant children of the day, we live our lives with excitement that Christ is coming one way or another. With the spiritual eyes of the Thessalonians opened and seeing life properly, Paul then reminds them of faith, hope, and love, and how these properly apply. And reminiscent of, if, of his list in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul reminds us that these are armor. I'll go out on a limb here and venture that not many of us have had the experience of wearing armor. I have. Do you know what you can face when you're wearing armor? The regular attacks that come at you are quite literally laughable. No sword is penetrating a breastplate that is properly affixed. No strike is going to harm your head when you have your helm on properly. And that is why in the Renaissance era, armies would outfit their vanguard, the front lines, in armor so that they could charge boldly into the fray and lead others who were behind them. And that is also what expectant children of the day do. They are not only excited at the coming Savior, they are also encouraging those who come behind them. And this is where we get to pull in the lessons, the other lessons for the day. The voice of Isaiah is one that comes down through the centuries, a resounding cry to all who would come after him of, wake up! Don't grow weary and give up. Don't think that God isn't coming to redeem you. Isaiah calls on Zion true believers to recognize how they are forgiven and loved so completely in God that they are redeemed to His side by the blood of Christ. 
Jesus used the image of virgins waiting for the groom. And while they all fell si uh, felt drowsy and fell asleep for a bit, the wise virgins were not quiet. They didn't give up their own oil. They encouraged the foolish ones to bring enough oil for them. And their lights shone as an example to be wise. And isn't that why we're here today? To have our lamps filled? To be reminded of how much God loves us? To be empowered and to be armored against the struggles of this life? And truly that is what we receive when we hear His Word and receive His sacrament. That's what we witness as we watch the babies being brought into the family of God through baptism. As we partake in this means of grace, we receive His forgiveness. Our faith is nourished and we proclaim, we encourage those who are behind us to come, to grow in faith in the saving work of Jesus. This is done so that we and they will not be like the foolish virgins whose lights go out and who fall asleep before the glorious day of Jesus' return. We know that our Savior died so that we may live together with Him. What an exciting message to be ours to proclaim. What a privilege to be able to share that with those we love and hold so dear. And what a beautiful message to share with those who don't know, who are asleep, and who are trying to hide from the coming Jesus. As expectant children of the day, we are blessed to see clearly the things of the world. They all lead to the return of the King. So as we march as the vanguard of the church militant our way through this life wearing our faith, hope, and love as the armor it is, we have so many opportunities to encourage those with whom we interact. In the wilderness of the Skyline Trail, hikers continue to struggle. Some people give up before reaching the top. Some people make it only a certain distance and then they feel they can't go on. But then comes a person or a group who is prepared. They have water. They have food. They have hiking gear and lamps to help. Their love and care is shared with that struggling person. And with the strength of the group, they are able to make it to the true peak and be rewarded with a view that is unlike anything they have witnessed before. My friends, don't grow tired. Don't give up. Don't go on autopilot and think that you can't do it. Instead, strap on that Christ-like love and faith. Put on that Christ-inspired hope and be not weary. You are a part of the Christian vanguard. You are children of the light. The day of Jesus returning is yours because of the love of God in Christ. And when He comes again,
soon, you will see that day for what it really is, one full of divine love that is indescribable. And until that day comes, continue to share that message with all around you, building up this body of Christ in His amazing love. Knowing, believing, and trusting that we are appointed to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We now live like He is coming soon. We live as expectant children of the day, excited and encouraging. Amen.